I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. A lot of toughness. Those guys have displayed a lot of toughness throughout camp. Today we had a hot one out. They fought through it, uh, competing on a high level, uh, competing against themselves, competing against the offense, and trying to get better every day. Uh, effort and attitude have been really good, and that's, uh, that's been the best part. It's fun coaching this team right now. You know, our guys, there's a lot of stuff out there. You know, we don't have a very good group. What's the group? No one's unproven. You know, everything's unproven. So our guys want to go out there and prove that we have talent in the room and uh, be able to be a, a, a position of strength on the football team. So there's a, a, a nice little motivation there, you know, to, to, to be a position that helps our football team. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett. We are in the grind of fall camp. This is where you separate the men from the boys, Robin mm-hmm. Washett, where guys are sweating, toughing it out. I think if you, you you go to a practice like we got to go to on Wednesday and it always seems like the whole world's injured, everyone's out with something, but you know they, they're very precautious, a lot of load management days, a lot of kind of playing it safe. And I think that's probably, you know, from a fan's perspective, what I've gathered is, you know, the concern tight end um, coming out of camp right now is was a strength. We talked about it, all the scouts there last week, but, you know, Travis Volkolek appears to be out with something longer term, um, what's long term? Is it four weeks? Is it six weeks? Maybe get him back by Oklahoma. I don't know. We don't know these details. I'm just spitballing here on the Husker Online show to our many proud affiliates and listeners across the state here. But uh, Austin Allen, we didn't see at practice either this week. Um, so all of a sudden, you had Chris Hickman running number one tight end, and your number two tight end, and your guess is as good as mine at that yeah, point. It was James Carney on Wednesday, and then AJ Rollins after that. So. Uh, pretty significant drop-off in terms of production and experience with those two guys out. So, and obviously, you know, we, we don't know anything official. Uh, it's basically just all the same rumors that have been flying around social media and, you know, the Husker Online message board and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I don't get the sense that it's anything like season ending like you said so I think that it's, it's more kind of a temporary setback. And, again, with those two guys, if there's any – opportunity to take give them a step back and uh hold them out for anything those those guys probably can afford it as much as anyone on that offense it makes you wonder like kurt raft all right now what he's thinking oh, I, know. I mean he's at boise state he's in a great program and i don't know their situation he's probably starting there going to play there a lot but you know raft would really factor in right now mm-hmm. yeah and so you know i guess we'll we'll get a an idea of what the actual situation is but if it is something just where they're being precautious with uh, Austin Allen, you know, maybe they're going to tell him, hey, you know what, Muddy, why don't you take the rest of this fall off? We'll see you in Champaign and get ready to line up. Go spend on the some time back in Aurora. Yeah, just take exactly. a couple of days. Just put your feet up, you know, just, just rest it Hit out. Hit the but, pool. Exactly. So, but again, that's it's kind of the norm for fall camp. There's always going to be something. That's what happens when guys are reacclimating themselves to playing full contact, full speed, high major level football. And there's going to be guys that get dinged up. And, you know, players are, you know, sitting out some reps here and there. Um, you know, Turner Corcoran is a guy they're kind of monitoring a little bit. He's still at practice. And we've and seen pads. him doing some workouts yeah, with yeah. the trainers. And- yeah, so, I mean, he's doing stuff off to the side. So that's, you know, it's just stuff to, to monitor. But outside of this new development with the tight ends, and, again, we don't even know where that actually stands, Nebraska, knock on wood a hundred times, uh, has been relatively fortunate in the sense that, you know, there hasn't been that, like, crippling injury that that could totally derail an entire season before it starts and so hopefully that uh you know remains the case and is a balance that these coaches have to go through because you can't just tiptoe through fall camp and expect to be ready to play a game especially when you move up the calendar like nebraska is with a week zero matchup against a big 10 level opponent uh they, they have to find the balance of being physical getting guys ready to play uh and not not against some you know cupcake uh non-conference game to play a league game on the road 
but also not going too hard to where you're beating yourself up before we even step on the field. Well, and Nebraska plays early, but they got to start practice early. So I mean, it all it's all a wash, and they get the extra bye week. So I, I do think there's a lot of advantage um, to how they set it up. But you know, they don't get a bye week until October 23rd. Mm-hmm. That's their open Saturday. So they're going to play eight straight games in a row, eight games, eight weeks. Um, you know, they're they're going to have their eighth game logged by October 16th. So it's a, it is a grind to, to, to do that early on out of the gates, um, you know, just looking at the schedule itself. And I know, like we talked about guys out with stuff, and I was talking to one of the people on staff over there at Wednesday's practice, and he's like, look, you go to any practice around the country, anywhere, on day 11, day 12 of fall camp, you're going to see a list of guys out. That's just that's how it is. I, I get it back in the day, you know, and two-a-days and no water breaks and – you know, it was different. Everybody was tougher. I know, um, but it's different now with how they train these athletes and, and kind of what they put them through, and they they monitor things differently. And and when they see something, they they rest a guy out of precaution. Yeah, and again, it's all about just finding that balance to where, especially guys that you you know, like Ben Stilley didn't even practice this spring because he didn't need to. I mean, he's a, a six year guy that you don't need to have him put that wear and tear on himself and. Uh, you know, both those tight ends we mentioned, th- those guys probably can afford to sit out a few practices, you know, especially if you can err on the side of caution a little bit. So in the flip side of that is these guys that are out, they're creating more opportunities for these younger players to, to get more reps and be more ready to go uh, to actually play in a game should their name have to be called upon when the season gets going. And, you know, Rob, one of the other things I want to hit on is depth chart talk. I know Scott Frost said I'd like to have a depth chart out earlier. JoJo Doman this week on the Beat podcast here on the Husker Online channel said one of the best things about the first scrimmage is they don't they put out the, the first depth chart. So there is a depth chart out right now. I know that for a fact because we, we talked about it on this Husker Online channel um, with a player on the team. But the coaches sure as heck aren't really divulging a ton. I don't. I mean, I, I think running back we have an idea where it's going to go. We're going to talk about that more in the next segment. We have a fairly good idea of the receiver position. I think there's some mystery at corner, but I still believe Quentin Newsom is probably the starter right now, mm-hmm. opposite of Cam Taylor Britt. But they've done a pretty good job of saying a lot without saying anything. Yeah, and I think that when Scott Frost said he wanted to have a depth chart earlier than normal uh, back in Indianapolis at Big Ten Media Day, he meant internally. W- yeah, within the program, he wanted the coaches and players to know where things stood earlier, so they could, you know, do their practices accordingly. Where you get your first team guys and your second team guys first team and second team reps and they get the the, the number of uh, you know I guess snaps and practice that they need to get themselves ready to play a game and I think before they let those competition competitions play out internally far too long to where you know guys were limited on reps because they were splitting um, you know practices essentially uh, with guys competing for the same job so I think that's kind of where things stand right now I do agree with you that they they have it set and outside of maybe a couple uh, spots here and there, uh, they know who their two deep is on probably both sides of the ball, and that I think is going to give them an advantage to get ready to play a game here in a couple weeks. Well, what's going to happen is they'll they'll get through Saturday, and that's going to be their their final major scrimmage. My guess is on Saturday they'll do something um, before they kind of shut down quote camp, and then they'll get into Illinois regular prep work next week sometime. I mean, maybe right away on Monday, but usually. Like you wait till Wednesday or Thursday to kind of start doing some prep work. But the difference with this Illinois game is you don't really know what you're going to see yeah. all that for sure. And I'd hate to be like just the people in the scouting department because you're, you're studying everything possible that you've seen from the coaches on their staff and what they're going to do. Um, but, you know, I think for the on the flip side, Nebraska's got an advantage because they're a veteran team that's played a lot of football together with the same coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's kind of the, the one leg up is, um, you know, Illinois – while they are in introducing a whole new coaching staff, it seems like the transition might be easier for what Brett Bielema wants to be with it's that kind of just physical power running game, you know, tough nose defense to where they're not going to do anything crazy. That's going to be a complete, you know, overhaul uh, to change the identity of a program to where, uh, and they also have 21 returning super seniors on there. So there's a, a level of experience that is as, I think it's the highest returning super senior list in the country, at least in power five. So, you know, it's, it's a a change in Illinois, but one that I don't think is going to be anything massive to where they're going to be like completely starting 
from scratch. So Nebraska, I think they have an advantage in the sense that this is year four. This is Scott Frost's best team and the un- level of understanding from top to bottom between coaches and players of what they want to be and how they need to do it is the highest it's ever been. And so there should be an edge for Nebraska in that matchup. But, you know, Illinois is not going to be some, you know, chaotic mess come week zero. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk running back race out of the gates and where that's at. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, I think I think Gabe's ready. And one thing I'll say about him is he came in as an adult. He was very mature in his approach to everything when he came in. Um, that's usually the telltale mark if they're going to be ready to play early on. Uh, he's done a good job learning it. Uh, he competes, and uh, he'll definitely be in the mix at that spot. He's a, he's a, he's a great talent, uh, does everything pretty well, learns fast, uh, my thing, I was happy for him when he broke that. He broke like a, I don't know, 60, 50 yarder. Um, it was kind of like messy up front, found a way, got through. And that's, you know, that's the, that was the highlight to me. Um, something they did in the O-line, obviously opening it up for him. Um, so that was a highlight to me. He got through, broke 60, and shoot, that wins game. So I was, I was happy for him. You know, I came here thinking that I'm, I'm going to be the dog and I want to be the dog. You know, I just got to have that dog mentality that I'm going to get the job done. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington talking running back as you heard Scott Frost and Marquis Stepp talking about Gabe Irvin. And then you heard Gabe Irvin there um, for the first time do an interview at Nebraska this week as well as Marquis Stepp. And they've really turned that room over, Robin. You look at what it looked like this week. I mean, they had the option of who to bring up front, and Sevion Morrison was the other back with the ones you just heard there. And Sevion did not see the field last year at all, I believe. Maybe a couple plays. But he battled COVID and injuries and everything else. But those three guys appeared to have at least pulled away. You know, Helva said there's four. But I'll say this, Robin. I believe Gabe Irvin is the leader in the clubhouse. And I've been saying that for several weeks. Yeah. And it, there's not, been nothing to come out of fall camp thus far that uh, would suggest anything different. Now, I think that some of the developments, especially with a guy like, you know, Sevion Morrison making a kind of I don't want to say unexpected push, but no one really knew what to think of him because he just hadn't been on the field. He missed all of last season with uh, injury and then, uh, you know, got COVID. And so he he had a really tough run at it. And we, they just didn't know where he was going to be going into the spring. And, you know, he still had some availability issues uh, over spring ball. But uh, this summer, you know, he's dropped some weight. He's down to like 205 pounds, which, you know, is uh, still a good weight for him. But he's, he's slimmer. He's faster. And I think that's been able to uh, allow him to be a little bit more dynamic. And he's been able to stay healthy. He hasn't missed a practice this fall. And that's been the number one issue for him, that um, he's staying on the field. And as a result, by no coincidence, he's making a very strong push to be a factor in that running back rotation, if not earn the starting job. But then, uh, you know, Marquis Stepp. You know, with that foot injury, I guess it was a toe, uh, foot-toe injury. He's had multiple injuries since his junior year of high school. So that, I mean, it was the second day of spring ball that he found out that he had that. Uh, you know, that kind of changed the conversation a little bit because when he came here, people automatically penciled his him job. in as the starter. I mean, he was came here for, for a reason as a, as a transfer from USC. And so when he went out, that kind of created a little bit of uh, unknowns and uncertainty about what that position would be. But – the way that he's returned to action this fall, uh, he's still somewhat limited. He had a, a kind of a limited workload in that first scrimmage last weekend, but you know they did some goal line work on Wednesday, and he was full go. You know, going full contact, and um, he doesn't look like he's limping around out there at all. So, uh, if he can stay healthy, he too will very much be in the mix. And then obviously Gabe Irvin's rapid rise since the start of spring ball, um, I, I'd probably put those two as probably the core three. Now, running backs coach Ryan Held said that there's four guys. Jock has Yant, maybe? Yeah, so Yant's in that conversation. Ramir Johnson, who, you know, Matt Lubick said that he's having the best fall camp uh, that he's had as a Husker. So where does he fall in that equation? Then Marvin Scott, who was one of the leading rushers in the spring game. So uh, they, they have no shortage of options. It's just a matter of 
who's going to be the most consistent and uh, available player in that running back room that's had too many guys miss far too many games. Yeah, I, I just wonder about Marvin Scott or Ramir Johnson. I mean, they've had a lot of opportunities, and it just hasn't happened. And, you know, Ramir did have the great run at Iowa, the touchdown run. That was probably his highlight run. Marvin Scott's highlight play on the field was taking that play from Luke McCaffrey on the shovel pass, I would say, last year. So the sample size is limited, mm -hmm. but it just doesn't feel like they're in the group with the other ones that we've talked about. So that will be interesting how they roll those guys. I get the sense Robin Nebraska wants to be a more physical. You heard Ryan Held say, um, we, we, we got to be able to drive through the smoke. Um, we're not tiptoeing around tulips here, you know, and we've, we've got to, we've got to be fearless. And I, I don't know if necessarily Ramir fits that style, um, but clearly steps that kind of back. I think Gabe Irvin's very versatile, and, and that, that's what intrigues me about him the most. Yeah, and then, you know, with a, a more dynamic Sevian Morrison, this is a kid that was a, a four-star that ran for 5,000 yards in high school. I mean, he is a elite-level back when healthy. And so that's the, the kind of the wild card here is if he can be the type of player they thought he was going to be last year uh, when, when they committed, uh, when he committed, I mean, that, that's that's a game-changer to, to, to throw him into the equation. So there's still a lot to be determined there, but I think when you look at the running back situation as a whole compared to what it was going into the spring uh while there's still some unknowns i think the um concerns have gone away in, in a major way in the fact that there's a lot of you just feel a lot better about the options that they have to work with and whoever ends up uh you know rising to the surface out of that group you're going to feel pretty good about Let's talk backup quarterback, and you know that's something that we don't really have a clear read on, and I, I think that's by design. I think they want to keep both Smothers and Harburg ready to go, and I don't know what the plan is there. I mean, let, let's just play devil's advocate, and then you have two games that you could play both these guys in Buffalo and, and um, Fordham. You know, Maybe they rotate who gets to go in first. Like, you're going to be this game, you're going to be that game, and, and do it that way, but – I think they, they just want to keep working those guys. I found it interesting that Smothers talked about how much they've tried to work with his mechanics and his release, and that slowed him down a little bit. I mean, it's like trying to teach yourself a new golf swing um, after the way you've been hitting the golf ball, but you're, you know, oh, your swing's all wrong. you got to correct it now. Same thing for a quarterback. He's a coach's kid, but they've tried to work on his delivery, and I think that's kind of hurt him. And I'll be curious kind of where he's at in this, but I still get the sense, Robin, that Harburg is the better guy long-term. Yeah, and I, I was just listening to Mario Verdusco on Wednesday just talk about how Harburg's development and how good he was from the jump uh, this spring kind of changed the whole dynamic of that quarterback room and, and that they didn't need to go get a transfer. And so that, I think, says a lot about kind of what Nebraska's staff sees for Harburg's ceiling going forward. And so, you know, who is going to be the number two this year? I guess that remains to be seen. But I think, you know, next season and, and beyond, the ceiling appears to be higher with Heinrich Harburg. And I think that's just because of his physical build. I mean, he's he's just a bigger Better body guy. He's got a stronger arm. Uh, and, you know, with Logan, we just I just don't know. I mean, in the, the, the few glimpses we've gotten of him, at least this is my personal observation, I'm just not impressed with his arm. And I think a lot of that has to do with the tinkering they've done with those mechanics to where he just looks like he's trying to like throw a, a perfectly aim it almost yes aim the ball as opposed to just slinging it whereas Harburg's out there just gunning it and that you can see a pretty noticeable difference between those two and as we wrap it up here Robin um, I want to talk some offensive line with Corcoran out right now Banks has been playing left tackle at right guard it still even before all this movement happened it you get the sense that Matt Sichterman is probably the favorite, but you know that's up in the air. It'll be interesting to see kind of what they do, but that group still has to prove a lot, in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I think they really like the potential there, but a lot of them haven't done anything uh, at, at least at Nebraska, where you know Matt Sichterman's a what fifth or fifth year junior, and uh, you know he hasn't even played a game hardly, especially on the offensive line. And then you know Turner Corcoran, uh, you know he's played one game. And the same thing with uh, a lot of those guys on that line where, you know, they do have some returning experience. You know, Ben Hart played more snaps than any player on the team, or at least on the offense last year. Uh, you know, Ethan Piper got, you know, he his, cut his teeth a little bit last season. Obviously, Cam Jurgens going his third year as a starter, but they're still young. And they're still a group that has to find that cohesiveness to become the type of unit that 
the staff and you know a lot of guys on the team think that they can be but I do think the potential's there but there's going to be a learning curve early and they got to get some of those uh kinks worked out sooner than later with Oklahoma on the horizon all right let's talk defense next you're listening here to the Husker online show you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, you're definitely talking about two platoons at every position up front and probably a a third at most Um, so it's a pretty deep group Um, you know you you definitely want to now that we're we've we've developed some depth you want to get those guys some breaks you know you want them to be able to rush the passer and and be fresh for that and and play the run Um, but you also want to get the best guys enough reps so I think that's a good balancing act and and coach Tuyote and coach Dawson are doing a good job with with rotating those guys right now and I, I don't see a huge drop off between the ones and the twos. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett talking defensive storylines out of fall camp. And to me, Robin, as we sit really at the midway point of everything right now, I think the depth is 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 the story on this defensive unit. Just the options they have. Uh, I go back to year number one when they came out with that comment, we want our defense to rotate in and out like hockey lines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they tried that in 18 – but there was quite a drop-off when you started to get in that second group. I get the sense now, at least in the front seven, um, they, they don't have a lot of drop-off in, when they go to group two. And that's the difference in the fourth quarter and winning in the Big Ten. If you can shave off those 20 snaps, if, if I'm going to say you can play 70 snaps versus 50 snaps. That's a humongous difference in the fourth quarter when you can keep guys that fresh. And we saw that over the years. Nebraska would play good football through three quarters, and then they'd run out of gas against Wisconsin or Ohio State, and they couldn't finish the job when they started out fast. And I think that should hopefully change with Nebraska's defense. Well, and especially up front. I think that's that's where it starts when you, you talk about this conversation of, of having more depth. It's not only just having more numbers, but the players that they have are in better shape, and they're more equipped to play or take on bigger workloads. I mean, Damian Daniels is the perfect example. That The biggest issue with him was he could only play two to three snaps, then he'd have to come off the field because he was just too winded and, and the stamina wasn't there. Well, now he's playing seven or eight in a row, not asking to, to come off the field, and that's a major development. And then, you know, same thing with uh, his backup, Jordan Riley at the, at the nose guard. I mean, he dropped a bunch of weight. He was up to around 340 pounds. He's down to a lean 305 now, and he's the same way where he can stay on the field now as opposed to needing to come out every other play. And I think just having guys that can put in more work along with having more bodies, that just gives you such a advantage to not only you know, being able to last longer through games, but uh, having uh, the, the ability to make it through the course of a season, especially as we talked about with those eight straight games. I mean, by games seven and eight that those lines are, are going to be tested a little bit physically and I think having that luxury of depth and you know I guess overall being in better shape is going to go a long way into allowing them to play at the same level they are in week one week two towards the end of that uh, end of that run so let's break down the the starting the top six in the d-line right now Kate um, obviously Ben Stilley Ty Robinson Daniels. And Daniels in the middle. That, that's your three. Then Casey Rogers is kind of the, the the next guy in. Then DeAndre Thomas and Jordan Riley. I mean, that's your top six. I, I believe Colton Feast would have been the seventh guy. He got hurt. He's out for a while. I don't know how long his foot injury is, but he, he looked like he might be out for several months based on just seeing him at practice this week. Then Nash Hupmacher, they said, has been the guy that made the biggest jump coming in as the next guy. Yeah, to Tony Tuioti mentioned, made sure to mention him by name uh, on Tuesday uh, when, when talking about that. The next players, or I guess potential options after that top six, and said he's been having a, a really good camp and has really turned it up this fall, getting reps with the first team defense and and holding his own. So you know, Nash is a guy that people have been excited about. You know, when you're, you're the polar bear coming here, uh, you know, waiting to see when he can make his impact. He's he's getting close, and he's made a lot of strides this fall to potentially add to that mix uh, on top of 
that top six. And, you know, a couple other guys he mentioned, um, Tony, Tui- Tony Tuioti mentioned, you know, J- uh, Jalen Weaver. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have right now because his just conditioning is not where it needs to be right now. You, you talk about the issues Damian Daniels had. Well, they have the luxury of letting Jalen sit out a year, get in better shape to where he'll be in a much better spot physically to make an impact down the road. So I think that's probably – you know, I guess we'll see what happens with Colton Feist, but uh, I'd say Nash Hutmacher has every opportunity to maybe be the next guy on that list as maybe the seventh guy in that D-line rotation. And they need him ready because who knows? I mean, if Damian Daniels, he's his fourth, I believe it's his fourth or fifth year at Nebraska now. He's been he's been here a while, so mm-hmm. he could very well move on to the next level if he you know has his body right and has a good year. So they need to kind of get that position developed. Linebacker, on the other hand, I think, the question is, my only concern is they're an injury away at inside linebacker from having things be a concern. Yep. And I've heard just grumblings of guys having to be in and out with different stuff already. Nick Heinrich, or Nick Heinrich and um, Luke Reimer, you know, they, they've battled injuries on and off since they've been at Nebraska. We already know Will Honus is out for the year more than likely. So there's a lot of pressure on Kolarovic to be the guy that they think he can be I'm not worried about outside linebacker. I think they've got the material now at outside linebacker. It's just inside linebacker overall depth being one injury away from being a problem. Yeah, and you know that's been the issue before. Before where you feel good about your top group, and uh, you know more often than not, one of those guys is going to have to miss some some semblance of time, and so uh, that puts a lot of questions on on who will be those next options beyond that top three and. Um, you know, Taven Malga Clemens has gotten some some praise uh, this fall. Uh, you know, Jackson Hanna's name has been thrown out there. Garrett Snodgrass's name has been thrown out there. So uh, I think that they have some potential there, but it is so unproven right now that, I mean, you want to talk about the known commodities. I mean, Kalarvik's a new new addition, but, I mean, he seems like he's been here for three or four years already. Uh, with him and Reimer, you know, I think that, that gives them a, a pretty elite group. And then, obviously, with Nick Henrich, uh, you know, he, he's right up there as maybe a co-starter. Uh, and so that gives them a really good front line. But after that, there's some – just unknowns right now and I think they they like the potential but there's still a lot to be proven there and you know like you mentioned they're 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 already having issues keeping guys on the field in fall camp odds are some of those guys in that next group are going to be called upon to play in the game at some point this season and then finally Robin let's talk secondary I mean really only the intrigue I think remains out of their corner spot Quentin Newsom Tyreek Johnson Braxton Clark I still get the sense Braxton Clark, or I'm sorry, Quentin Newsom is probably yeah. got a hold on that job, uh, but they're going to keep working Tyreek Johnson. And I do think you're going to see, regardless, all the special teams got, or all the secondary guys have key roles in special teams this year as well. Yeah, that was one of the things that Travis Fisher said back in the spring, and you know, he even doubled up on it uh, this past week where he said that they're going to take 11 defensive backs to Illinois with them, and all 11 will be starting on at least one special team. Quentin Newsom said that he's starting on three different special teams. Uh, so that's that's going to be a standard. You talk about this emphasis Nebraska's been putting on special teams this year. That's a prime example of that. So as far as that number two corner spot, yeah, I mean, Quentin Newsom was the front runner coming out of spring, and you know, even with the addition of Tyreek Johnson, I just don't know if it's it, that's changed. I mean, Quentin's had a, had a really good fall, and you know, Tyreek has obviously got a lot of clout to his name, but he's still a, a new player in the system trying to adjust to a new defense. So I think just in terms of experience and um, having been in this defense now for, for two years, Quentin Newsom is probably – the guy right now going into Illinois. Now that can change it. One other note, Nadab Joseph, you know, his, his name's kind of been lost in the shuffle. He's hurt right now. He did not practice on Wednesday. Not sure what the injury is, but I mean, he's not even on the field right now. So that kind of gives you an idea of where he stands in that pecking order. All right. When we come back, we are going to bring in Husker online intern, Abby Barmore, and we will take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker online show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think Frosty felt the. Uh 
comfortable with seeing Heinrich. You know, I, I think he felt comfortable with that, knowing that the next piece of the puzzle is just getting him to understand the playbook and play fast and that sort of thing. He felt, has always felt really good about um, Logan's decision making and his ability to play fast, and then it was just a matter of getting the stroke tuned up. So, and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Abby Barmore now joining us here on the program. As that was Mario Berdusco, I asked him guys what kind of went into the decision not to take a transfer quarterback, and he laid it all out there that they just kind of liked where things were at with Harburg, and obviously with um, Smothers, they, they felt like they had their guys that they wanted to roll with for the year. So that was interesting to hear, but now it's time for the mailbag. Abby, and where do you want to start us out with? Awesome. First question, what has caught your eye about fall camp so far, and what has surprised you? I mean, what's caught my eye is it's just been – business as usual and I I hate to take Jerry Donardo's term but there's just like a level of comfort I think I think you feel with this roster and this team that you, you see that they I think they believe that they have some parts in place and some experience and knowledge as far do you say biggest concern after that or I mean th- there's been some injuries we don't have the official and we're taping on Wednesday we don't have the official word on Travis Volkolek and Austin Allen or Turner Corcoran but we've been doing this a long time, Robin, and usually in August there's going to be things like that that happen. Mm-hmm. One, there's usually one fairly significant one and always a couple of just like bumps and bruises that lead up to the opener. Yeah, and so, I mean, stuff like that, it's disappointing, you know, especially a guy like Turner Corcoran, and he's all the reps he can get. He's played one game uh, in his college career, so uh, for someone that's projected to be the starting left tackle, uh, he should probably be on the field getting reps, but – it is what it is. I mean, he's still at least practicing to an extent. But as for the question, I'd probably say just the the confidence and the low-key manner in which it's being delivered. You compare it to previous years where it felt like the coaches and the players were almost trying to like not only convince reporters and fans that they were going to be good, but convince themselves that they were going to be good by talking about how great everything was, how close they were as a team. Nebraska's back. Whereas, like, this year they, they're saying those things, but when you're there listening to them and watching them talk, like, you actually kind of believe it a little bit. So, you know, I know there's a lot of reservations about buying into the same, uh, you know, off-season rah-rah stuff, but I think that just the, the way all that stuff is being delivered from top to bottom uh, with this program makes it feel just a little bit different than in past years. This next question is about Elante Brown. Does he factor in at all next season? I mean, he might be in the, in the group, but they've said they want to get down to six. And just based on kind of what we know right now, Torre, Manning, Martin, those three right there are up there as the top three. And then, you know, Lever and Betts, Betts, and a lot. Um, what's his name? Um, Levi Falk. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I think he's going to get playing time, but I think being in the legit top six might be a stretch to say um, at this point. Well, the fact that I mean, he's dealing with something injury wise. I mean, he was practicing on Wednesday, but he had the green no contact jersey on. So I mean, there's clearly something there that's that's held him back a little bit, and. As we've seen, if they're going to go with the guys that they can trust and depend on. That's why Wyatt Lever made that rapid rise last year. Same thing with Levi Falk, where these guys that you know might not have the glitz and glamour of recruiting profile, they're the ones that are there every day, putting in the work and earning the trust of the coaching staff. So if Alante can stay on the field, he's going to have every opportunity, but that remains to be seen. If Adrian Martinez leaves after this season, will the staff go after after a grad transfer, or will they roll with Logan Smothers, Henrich Harburg, and Richard Torres? I think it's still too early to say. I, I think they need to see a lot more play out this year. And you know, you, you, I'm optimistic that in some of those early games, whether it's Fordham or Buffalo or whoever, there's going to be opportunities to play some guys and get them reps. And who would they put in there first? Um, you know, it's a delicate deal with the quarterback position, with the transfer portal, and how you manage that number two job. Because however you do it, it's going to show your hand a little bit how you're going to play it after Martinez. Um, so it's going to be you know, like let, let's just say Buffalo and Fordham allow a number two quarterback to play. Maybe they say okay, it's going to be you first this game, and you're going to be first that the other game um, between between um, Smothers and Harburg. And uh, I just think that's a, such a delicate thing as we've learned. 
with ordaining the number two right now and, and not really knowing where that's going to all head. Well, especially when both those guys are so young. I mean, they're just scratching the surface on their development right now where, you know, Logan Smothers was talking about last year, you know, he was dealing with all these different mechanics and throwing motions that, that kind of just stunted his progress uh, over the past 12 months to where now he's kind of at the point where he probably should have been uh, a year ago. So uh, he's just getting going. And then uh, Heinrich Harburg, you mentioned in the open, uh, his rapid development over the course of the spring and how far ahead he was than the coaches thought he was going to be kind of changed the whole conversation about whether they needed to transfer this past off season. So you give him a full year of development, you know, whether he plays in games or not, that's going to have a, a big impact in that decision once again. And if he continues on his rapid rise, probably you're not going to see a pressing need to go out there and get a grad transfer quarterback. We're taking your questions in the mailbag with Husker Online intern Abby Barmore. Sounds like the offense and defense are each having good plays against each other. What have you heard about this? I mean, I think that's just the norm. I, I think in a perfect world and on the beat podcast with JoJo Doman, you know, he talked about it just going back and forth. I think you want to see your defense have moments, and I think you want to have your offense have moments. And I think we've seen that. Um, I, I know the front seven has had great moments in scrimmages, but we also know Gabe Irvin, for example, had a 65-yard type run, and um, there's been a few plays made here and there. So um, I, I think naturally you'd hope for some back and forth. Well, and you know, in the spring, you want your defense to dominate because they should be dominating. And if they're not, then you probably have not so much an issue of your offense being good, but your defense probably being bad. So this in the fall, you want that to level out to where there is some back and forth. And, you know, Tuioti and Greg Austin and those types of guys in the trenches said that it's kind of been some give and take between the offensive and defensive lines. And I think that's good where the offense is making plays and the defense is making plays, creating turnovers. And so the fact that one side of the ball is not dominating the others, you know, I think that gives you a little bit of, of comfort knowing that, you know, there might not be some overt deficiencies like there may be in previous years. All right. You got time for a couple more, Abby. What do you have? Does this year's team have fewer question marks as far as you're concerned, and where would those question marks be? I think so. I mean, it's the deepest team that Frost has had since he's been at Nebraska. Um, you know, running back, I think, came in as a question because of the unknowns, but I feel like they've got guys now there, and I know receivers are going to be all new faces, but I think we all believe that these are better guys than what they've had in the past. I guess tied in with the questions now of Vokalek and Allen's injuries, wherever that's going to head mm -hmm. um, if Frost even shows his hand on Friday when we talk to him about that. But offensive line to me is maybe still a question because of Corcoran being out and, and a lot of just younger, inexperienced starters. Um, I want to see that group, but I, I don't really have a lot of questions with the defense right now. Well, there's a lot of questions, but I don't know how many of those I would label as concerns. Like you mentioned, we don't know who the running back's going to be, but they really like the top four guys that are in that equation right now. The wide receiving core, you know, we got don't know what that top six rotation is going to look like, but they have a lot of good players competing for playing time. You know, tight end, like you said, that's kind of a new borderline concern, depending on you know where where things actually are with that. Um, you know, the other cornerback spot, that's a question. But there's not, like, really this this glaring uh, area where you're saying, wow, this could be a real issue for Nebraska. I mean, there's, like I said, stuff that still needs to get figured out. But what we know and the, the actual substance there uh, leads you to feel a little bit better about it compared to some other stuff. Final question. Are you guys going to the Garth Brooks concert this weekend? And what song are you most excited to hear? Absolutely, I'm going. And, you know, I'm not, I don't even consider myself a country music fan. My wife is. Um, you know, I, we go to a lot of country concerts with groups of friends and we try to support every concert in Lincoln just because we want to, you know, support our town and where we live and the events going on. But for me, it's just special to go to this because of the stage it's going to be on. I've been in Memorial Stadium literally for every game um, since like 1993. Um, and so I've seen this place at its highest levels and I want to see it at a concert and what it's like and what the noise is like and just. Obviously, the added element of 25-ounce um, tall boy beer cans is going to make the, the scene a little bit more interesting instead of people sneak, sneaking in their airplane bottles and flasks on game days. And <laughs> You ever go to the bathroom? On a, I mean, I haven't been in like the stadium bathrooms on a game day, but it's just like a mess of airplane bottles. When oh, you go yeah. There. yeah, basically everything that's been smuggled in and sweatshirts and waistbands. And You're all playing like stuff. foot hockey with all the... <laughs> Airplane bottles by the toilet on the ground. <laughs> Try being in the student section. Oh, yes. yes. They, don't even, they don't even hide The bathroom, bathroom stall, there. though, turns into like a, a bar. I mean, there's guys in the bathroom stall just mixing drinks. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah, I have a couple feelers out for some you know, free tickets. I don't know if I don't those don't come through, if I'll go or not. Maybe be a game time decision. Uh, if I do go, uh, obviously low places. I don't know if there's any other song. I mean, Thunder Road, you know, the the, the, the standard ones because I'm not low like places a, for me is probably yeah, I'm not like a diehard Garth Brooks fan and if i go it's more going to be just for the event and the experience of it the fact that 80 some thousand people are going to be watching a concert in memorial stadium like the uniqueness of it uh is is going to be pretty cool i'm sure whether you like that kind of music or not and by the way it's going to be a great weekend to have our parking here at our husker line Absolutely. office because we can just walk right in i don't even want to guess what like traffic and because you're going to have a lot of people from out of state that don't know the roads very it's well. It's going to be like a game day down here. I know that like the, <laughs> there were some stories on uh, some of the local TV stations, like interviewing bar owners, restaurant owners. Like They are preparing and stocking up as if it's going to be like a oh, Husker game heck day. heck yeah. I mean, seriously, you're bringing in 80-some thousand people for a concert that are going to want to not just go to the concert. They're going to want to make a, a day and a night out of this deal. Keep your head on a swivel on the one-way streets. Absolutely. It's going to be like <laughs> state basketball Husker game day and then a, and then a rock concert all can't see the traffic light you're going the wrong way exactly exactly well abby are you going yes of course i'm going all right good what's your song i would say thunder rolls the on wednesday at practice the husker football team they had that going and i just i'm really excited to hear it in memorial stadium very nice a lot of our brethren in the media i've talked they're not going and i'm just like why like, well, I mean, I seems like sports writers, you have to like, like Bruce Springsteen or something like that. And <laughs> I never got that either. So I, I don't know. I'm going to go and have a great time. And, and I hope a lot of you listening are going to enjoy it, too. It should be a great, great weekend in Lincoln and looking forward to that. We'll close the show with Brian Munson recruiting talk next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, uh, Sean Callahan. Brian Munson now, as we do every week, we talk recruiting at the back end of the show. And, you know, Brian, this is kind of universally one of the slower times of recruiting for everybody in college football. Um, Teams are in the middle of fall camp. High school players have started practice now as they open up um, in a week or a couple of weeks. Um, So you you generally, in the middle of August, aren't going to see a lot of stuff brew. Um, You know, I think from the Nebraska angle, the stories that intrigued me the most – uh, John Pastore out of Erie, Colorado, who had been kind of flirted with by Nebraska, offered but never took an official visit, came unofficially, commits to Kansas State. And, you know, my question is, was that because he didn't have a green light at Nebraska and just said, you know what, I'm going to jump on this quality Power 5 offer? At least at the time, Kansas State remains a Power 5 program. But um, that one <laughs> was interesting just to see uh, Pastore you know, move on that, and, and maybe Nebraska kind of cooled at that point once they got Dallin Erickson. You got me to laugh out loud at that comment. I I can't I can't believe I'm gonna have to go back and 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 uh, and really think about that. But I I don't know necessarily if he had a spot yet. Um, I know that you know, like Nebraska lost McCoola and they got Erickson in the boat, and that's a good good little start. And I think you and I talked about it. I think Erickson is a a very strategical place for Nebraska to kind of be at in the class. When they get that ninth guy in the, in the boat and they're looking at five, six guys to potentially add to the group, you're, you're, you've got, you've got now a guy there that you, that probably wasn't your number one guy at the position, but maybe too far off. And he's a versatile player. And I think that his best days of playing football are ahead of him. And then you lose out on Makula that I think would have gotten the green light. Clearly, I mean, he committed to Stanford, and I think he was either the third or the fourth offensive lineman commitment, actually, for Stanford in their 2022 class. And then Pastore was, you know, there was one rival story when you and I started talking about him when he came in in June, and he was, you know, kind of um, looking for some interest, looking for some attention. And then he comes to Nebraska, he picks up that offer, and I think that that's 
probably good on Nebraska for at least finding him and, and, and getting him in there during that evaluation, that, in, that little individual workout time in June. And then a couple other offers kind of fell, but I don't think there was ever enough interest there or enough of a, a reason for Nebraska to feel like they had to take a guy like that right now because I, I think that, you know, what we've also been talking about on the board and you and, he, you and me personally in our conversation Nebraska is going to brush the brakes right now, man. They're 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 going to wait this thing out. They're going to see how they open up their season and see if it allows them to climb back into a couple of these kids, you know, lists and get some other guys to come back to Lincoln that they couldn't get there in June. And I think that, and and I also think that, that Nebraska is going to be very much into reevaluating and evaluating guys those first three weeks in September, and tr- and you're going to see some new names emerge when it comes to offers. Not a not a bunch because there's obviously only there's very limited spots in the class. I think you and I probably still speculating maybe probably one, maybe two, depending on what other what other kind of think happenings happen over there on the defensive side of the football. But this is really the only kind of position on the offensive side of the football that has any type of movement left to go because everything else is is sewn up. And it's hard, I think, for our users on Husker Online and everywhere really that follow recruiting. Because it's boring. I mean, Nebraska's got nine, and you're like, they're tapping the brakes. <laughs> I mean, we, we've been covering recruiting since kind of the internet era started, Brian, and we've never seen uh-huh. anything like this before, but it's just the reality, and, you know, the numbers are the numbers, and I know you, know, you get griping, well, why is so-and-so going to take – well, everyone's numbers are different. I mean, in Nebraska – has taken a lot of young guys and they redshirted almost everybody. So they're, they're pretty backlogged. Well, I mean, go to, go to Huskers.com and and do the filter, go ahead and filter down to the senior list. What are there seven or eight names that are, that are either fifth year or six year super seniors. I mean, it's, it's a pretty short list of guys that are really going to be out of eligibility, you know, at, at the end of the season. And that's really what's driving the, driving the car when it comes to the class size because you're only going to be regaining you know eight spots or so back to your class now nebraska is going to get some credit like you and i have talked about in previous episodes with with branson yeager and and you know there's still that 85 limit but you know there's they they've got a they're only going to be able to they're and they're going over they're going over this number in a pretty significant manner i mean if you're talking about eight guys losing their eligibility and we're talking about 14 or 15, the attrition rate they're, they're thinking is almost double because that's really what, what it is we're saying. So um, it's it's going to get it's gonna get interesting because I think 15 is on the high side. I think 13 is probably, probably the number that they might even be looking at a little bit more. I think some things are going to obviously change. Some guys always end up walking away at the end of the season no matter what anyway. But is it going to be is it going to be six guys? Uh, I don't I don't know. That's that's a pretty high number. We're talking recruiting here with Brian Munson as uh, things are coming together. And Brian, we started to see some 2023 list on rivals this week. One, um, you know, for in-state, um, I think caught a lot of our users by surprise. But Benjamin Bramer, the 2023 tight end from Pierce, Nebraska, has an Iowa State and a Nebraska offer is a four-star squarely inside the Rivals' top 250, um, and he's the only four-star right now on that list. You know, Maverick Noonan and Gunnar Gatula and Tatum uh, Tuioti, they're all, you know, guys with Husker offers too. Uh, but I, I think if you were to, like, ask people this question maybe a month, two months ago, I'm not sure people would have guessed that Bramer would be the four-star, um, but it tells you what the national guys think of his early film out there. Well, I think Bramer is, it's, it's a great, he's a great athlete. Um, I think we would all agree looking at each other that he's, he's got to put some weight on his frame, but his, his frame is long and he's already athletic. Uh, I, I think he has some, some good strength already for that, for that longer frame. Uh, the weight is going to come. He's a young, he's a young kid. Uh, when people brought up today, like the, the comparisons to a Fedoni, Fedoni's a freak. Let's just, let's just put that out there first. That's a, that is an, that's an athlete. that's like a, once a, a type of generation kind of guy to come out of this area. Um, but, but Bramer it has got potential. He's got, he, he it, everything is in front of him and how good is he wants to be is, is, is going to be up to him. It's going to come down to 
what he's putting into his body and, and, and the weights and, and all the work that he's going to have to do to kind of get his body right. Um, he's, he's definitely got a lot of, a lot of tools that you would look for that tight end. And again, he's incredibly young. This is a class of 2023 kids. So, uh, Nebraska, I think you and I agreed as well when, when Nebraska made the offer, they couldn't allow Iowa state to dip back into, you know, their backyard and, and pluck out, you know, what is looking to be the number one guy in the state. But uh, again, Noonan may have a couple things to say about it. Toyota may have a thing, thing or two to say about Gatula as well. I think that you and I agree that Nagoi is a guy uh, in Lincoln that is going to test phenomenally wherever he goes and camps at. It's going to be very interesting to see him play his junior year. Sam Sledge has already got an offer as well. Um, it's going to be fun to kind of watch a few more of these guys. This is a this is an underrated group. They don't have the four star talent right now that the 2022 group does. They may end up actually getting a couple more guys to join them, and I think I think it's really a, an underrated group so far. Well, Brian, as we wrap it up here briefly, um, official visits are starting to get scheduled in in Lincoln, and you know we've been able to confirm a few names that will be in town for some of those early home games, but it's still hard to kind of get a read. You know what that all means in the big picture. If if these are committable visits or or what what kind of the the grand plan is with some of the visitors they've scheduled right now. Yeah, and that's going to be a really interesting point because Nebraska is going to get uh, about you know over forty official visitors. Of course, they've already brought in twenty or twenty one, and they're sitting at nine, looking for possibly up to six more guys. So you're telling me they can take twice as many, uh, two more or twice as many official visitors as they, as they have already. And, and they're only going to take six more guys. It's going to get tough. It's going to get tough to really kind of sort it out. But to get back to what you had said, Victor Jones confirmed to me over the phone the other night that he is going to be in early in the month of September. He wasn't sure if it's going to be the weekend of the September 3rd, but he's working on trying to find a way to get there quickly. It's, it's definitely on his, his things to do. Two guys, however, that we've confirmed uh, that are one guy is already in the database. One guy is yet to because I'm still re- waiting to write up the story. First guy, Quantavis Gaskins, uh, you saw him at Friday Night Lights, picks up an offer uh, the day after or, or the weekend after, I think, uh, at Florida State. Um, longer cornerback, 6'1", 180-ish. Uh, and then and another guy, secondary, kind of popped up off the radar, you know, for us here at Husker Online. London Hall uh, is going to be in for the Northwestern weekend. Um has Nebraska as his leader right now when it comes to things going to take going to try to take uh, at least three official visits he told me today but he could be committing you know sometime in October um very very long guy playing safety plays both sides of the football was also getting looked at at one time as an athlete by rivals and possibly being a wide receiver recruit but really is is getting more attention now on the defensive side of the football. Well, well, lots to keep up with here as Brian Munson and the entire Husker Online recruiting team will keep you up to date with the latest here. Make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.